In this episode today, I'm joined by Rin Hambra, and Rin is a an expert in thought leadership and expert marketing. Now, this is one of those cut-through subjects that I've been really passionate about over a number of years, but it's never really, to me, risen to the surface of priorities for marketers and business professionals. But I think here in 2023, as we're all looking to really cut through the noise of social media and really make inroads into what can be you know, very much commoditized marketplaces, I think thought leadership and expert marketing is now going to find its day. Now, I'm sure we're going to hear from Rin uh, that this has always been the thing, but <laughs> I think for a lot of people, this could be quite new. So I'm really fascinated to find out both about Rin's journey um, into this as a real specialist area, uh, but also what we can do about it as marketers, because I want to make this a really kind of practical session, and then we can glean lots of the expertise from Rin as we go through this. So welcome to the episode, Rin. Hello, thank you for having me. Very, very welcome. To tell us a little bit about your journey, because you, you didn't start here. This wasn't the starting point for you, was it? It was very much, uh, I guess, coming out of your um, sort of experience and uh, journey through journalism that you found your way to this point. Tell us a little bit about the backstory. Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, I started as a journalist um, and you know, I've always been a writer. I've always enjoyed writing. So that's sort of where it started. And I think what happened as a journalist, that the skills that I learned that I didn't really realise I was learning for now is that ability to very quickly speak to somebody, speak to an expert and become not an expert myself, but enough of an expert to write an article about it. So, you know, I'd get into to work on a, on a Monday morning and I might be, <clears throat> excuse me, assigned a, a subject that I'd have to write about. And I might not know anything about it, but very quickly I could do a bit of research. And obviously as a journalist, you're trained to, to look at what is good, you know, what's a, a good source. And then also speak to the experts and to kind of get their thoughts and, and their kind of quotes and, and put an article together. Um, so then when I went freelance, um, that was in 2010, so I'm showing my age a little bit, um, obviously the, the internet was very much changing, marketing was changing with kind of the rise of digital and, and so increasingly the skills that I had as a journalist became, um, you know, commercially relevant as well. Um, and so, yeah, just sort of evolved. So, yeah, copywriting wasn't even something that I really understood or content marketing when I, when I started doing it and, and it's just really evolved um, from there. But, yeah, definitely that ability to speak to an expert um to ask the right questions to find the kind of the hook in the story to find what's going to be interesting to people um, and to be able to draw that out um <clears throat> and then summarize it in in that way that's that's i think what what we offer as a, as a business as, as well as the actual pure writing skills so it's communicating expertise Mm. Yeah, and we'll kind of, I guess, get into the uh, the detail of that um, as we go through this conversation. But I'm really interested in terms of kind of the mindset that is needed kind of in that style of role, because, I mean, I, I guess, you know, if, if you're kind of almost learning from scratch a lot of topics, you know, as a, as a journalist, and I can see there's a lot of kind of spin off into this sort of thought leadership space. It, it is about being really kind of fleet of foot, isn't it? And very kind of um very awake to the situation or the scenario or the conversation that you're actually in you, you almost can't do this um without paying attention it feels, it feels like you have to as a communicator in in that kind of environment be very awake to to all the changes and all the opportunities yeah 100 percent. yeah listening is is a massive part of it um you really do have to pay attention and you're constantly it, you've sort of got to split your brain in two 
um, and sometimes in three because when I was doing my shorthand because you know back in the day I wasn't as good as touch uh, touch typing and I was often out uh, you know in location so I just had my notebook and pencil so you know you're asking questions you're listening to the answers you're writing the answers down and you're trying to formulate a follow-up question at the same time so yeah you've de definitely got to split your brain into into lots of into lots of bits um but yeah listening is very important and and also you've got to have an idea of what you want somebody to say so it's not you putting words in their mouth but you know you've got a story to write and you know that you need certain quotes because you know experts have a tendency to kind of go off on tangents and they get very excited about their stuff but actually you kind of need them to, to focus on the point of what your article is whilst also digging for the real gold which is not something that you'll necessarily know off the top of your head so it's again it's that balance you've got to guide the conversation but but be looking out for those those nuggets and you know I think it take you know it just takes practice like anything I'll, I'll talk about this you know dur during this um, episode but you know it, everything does take practice you don't you know you're not born good at it you you know you've got skills that you start off with but I think in the practicing what I learned was to listen out and I'd often it would be often at the end of a conversation with somebody I would suddenly go that's it you know they do a, a throwaway comment and I was like why didn't you mention this at the beginning but of course they weren't skilled you know for them it was just a normal natural thing to be saying but to me it's like that's the hook of the story that's my intro or that's my closing quote or, or whatever it is so yeah definitely listening in a very deliberate way and I love that idea of the, you know, just the hook and that little golden moment because, mm. you know, and and again, as I, I often sort of find this, you know, interviewing people and having conversations, you know, on the podcast and, and elsewhere is that sometimes, as you say, you know, you can get all the way through the conversation and then suddenly there is just that phrase or that moment and you think there's the moment, there's the short form video moment for, for social media that's going to really be the hook. And, yeah. and I guess we're all, you know, as podcast hosts or as, you know, thought leaders or, you know, crafters of, of good content, we're always kind of on the lookout for that because it is those little bursts of inspiration, I guess, isn't it? Mm. That kind of, I, I guess, I mean, is that the definition really of like an expert and you know somebody who is just that little bit different from the run of the mill because they have that opportunity because of their wisdom or their sort of expertise or the length of time they've been sort of doing what they do that yeah. they can really uncover those things because to, to most of us we wouldn't be able to do that would we yeah yeah I do I definitely think that there's a combination of things and I think you've touched on a lot of them there I think length of time is an important one I, I really don't think that you can shortcut expertise because um, you know, the, the definition of, of an expert is somebody with special skill or knowledge that represents mastery of a particular subject. So you can have a skill, you can be born with a skill, right? And, 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 you know, an ability to, I don't know, look at code in a certain way, you've got a particular maths brain, or you've got a language brain, or whatever it is. So, you know, you're born with a set of skills, but you still have to practice those. Um, and, and you know, some people might get to an expert level quicker than others because of that natural skill or because they are particularly dedicated or whatever it is. I don't think length of time, you know, you can have somebody who's do, been doing something for 20 years as a, and still wouldn't be considered an expert. You can have somebody that's been doing it for five years and is an expert, but but generally there has to be a length of time. You know, I think if if you've, you've got somebody, you know, who's who's, you know, very early on in their career and they're trying to, or, you know, a, a new brand that's been started by very younger people and they're trying to set them up, uh, themselves up as an expert brand that's going to be a little bit less authentic than somebody who really has been doing it for a while. So, so that is that. But exactly that, as you said about that, like spark, that extra thing um, that, that 
that is just that bit different. You know, it's it's about so so. I was thinking about there's an amazing book um, called Expert by a guy called Dr. Roger Kneebone. He's a surgeon. How cool is that that his surname is Kneebone and he's a surgeon? Um, and he kind of describes the journey towards being an expert as you know, it's got three stages. So you start off when you're in the apprentice stage, and that's when you're you're just putting in the time. So you're under somebody else's tuition or guidance, and you and you're really just you know putting in the hard hard graft. And then there's the middle stage, which is the journey journeyman stage, and that's where you move from this kind of supervised um, sort of state to, to more independent practice. And, you know, you start taking responsibility, you'd maybe developing your own style and you can start to take initiative then. And I think in that stage, you can start doing, you know, a content where it, it, you're showcasing that you, you have knowledge and you have skill and, you know, you've got opinion and so on. But really it's when you get to that mastery stage. So in, the, in um, Dr. Kneebone's um, book, he, he talks about the, the third stage being master. And what defines that stage is where you're redefining your field, you're adding to it and building on it. So it's not just, um, you know, you, you might be pioneering new things and possibly teaching as well. You're not one of the pack anymore. You're leading the pack. And I think that to me is the difference. Real thought leadership is where people are either leading or, or, or kind of um, in some way reshaping the conversation and saying something that's just a little bit new or saying it in a different way. It doesn't have to be a completely unique thought, but it does have to be a little bit different to just chipping into the conversation. Yeah, and I, I guess what you're highlighting there is something I've, I've been sort of tussling with over the years, which is, you know, a, an idea between the word specialist and the word expert. And I, I've kind of had a bit of an issue really with the word expert in, in many ways, because it kind of almost sets a precedent or an expectation that, mm -hmm. wow, this person is going to blow me away. Whereas actually, if you say specialist, it kind of means that you've niched down on a particular topic or subject, but you don't actually yeah. have to be amazing at it. And so yeah, there's almost like there's a little kind of comfort blanket there for a specialist yeah. because they don't have to actually prove anything. It's just, yeah, I specialize in this. Whereas yeah. actually, an expert what you're doing is you're saying actually yeah I'm a bit different I'm both special yeah. but I'm also really good at this so yeah. it kind of sets that expectation do, do you think there's a kind of a risk there and is it the fact that you you have to have kind of you know, as you say moved away from the pack mm. that means then you could actually justify calling yourself an expert in a particular topic and before that yeah. you are just a specialist it's it's really interesting one. The thing is about expertise is that there's no moment where you suddenly qualify to be an expert and you get your you know your certificate of I am an expert. I mean, there might be, for example, you might get I don't know your PhD or you might you know land a role. I, I think interestingly, when I think back to when I was a journalist and I had to speak to experts, and obviously, you know, I don't necessarily know an expert in a particular field. So I'm like, right, how am I going to justify choosing this person over that person so why person a not person b so often you would go through the academic route if somebody's a professor of something that you can assume that they're probably a specialist and they're an expert in it um, it may be like a job title so you know i don't know lead engineer x brand so you know once you get to a certain point in your career you you've raised rise risen wow that was a uh, tricky getting that word risen through the, the ranks to a particular point again that's the sort of a stamp of expertise um, authoring a book as well um, and now there's much more people take uh, self-published books much more seriously these days but back when I was a journalist it was like no no self-published it you know you have to you have to have been good enough to get an actual legitimate publisher to to kind of say yes this is something we want to publish so 
So, yeah, I think there's no one thing that says you're an expert. You have to prove it. Um, and, and, you know, I think the thing is, as you get more expert in whatever it is that, that you know, you've decided to specialise in, it's that classic thing of the more you know, the more you realise you don't know anything. So, so yeah, I don't think there's a point at which it becomes okay to say you're an expert or, or if there is it's different for everybody um really you just need to know more than your audience then you have expertise mm. compared to them right so uh, i would definitely say in terms of choosing it as a marketing strategy i would the brand itself doesn't have to have been established for a long time but the people behind it do need to have that weight you know you you, you can't create a veneer of expertise because people will pick beyond that and if they if they can't find any substance then then that's gonna it's basically gonna backfire mm, so it feels like it is a, a little bit of a journey here you kind of you identify something you resonate with you're possibly mm. good at it there is an opportunity there and then over time you maybe then specialize in it and then you reach a point where you feel mm, okay i yeah. we as a team or maybe as a brand as well as a, as yeah. a you know, collaboration of, of individuals mm. um you then think oh, actually we are a little bit different yeah we could mm. actually now start pushing the boundaries is, is this where then this this whole idea of thought leadership comes into play because this mm. is an often used phrase you know leading thought i guess leading thinking yeah. i mean in, in lots of ways you know i've, I've been attempting to do this in, in a couple of ways in marketing over the um, sort of last sort of five to ten years in um, well particularly in, in marketing sustainability for example mm -hmm. that's, that's a big hot topic and again this year I think is going to be one of those you know big big things would I consider myself a thought leader possibly not but mm -hmm. I am trying to push those boundaries with, with my audiences and yeah. just kind of help people to think about this stuff I mean you know, it is important, isn't it, really, to do this collaboratively? It's, I mean, if you're a, I mean, you talk there about, you know, sort of taking the reins of maybe, you know, writing a book or, you know, even having a podcast, you know, about a particular specialist area, and then you yeah. kind of position yourself as a little bit of an expert. But mm. if you do it in isolation, it doesn't feel quite so powerful, does it? So if you are going to be a thought leader, do, do you kind of almost have to identify the audience that you are going to lead? Otherwise, you're not mm. really leading anything, are you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I definitely, I mean, certainly in terms of marketing, because there's, there's different ways to look at it. I mean, obviously, the, the companies that we work with, um, and we mostly work with companies who have experts with it so so you'll have you know we'll normally deal with the marketing person and then they'll bring their subject matter experts into you know briefings and so on um, and, and when we do content strategy um, work we will do a gold mining session we call it a gold mining session with the experts to to do that kind of you know we were talking before about having the conversation and there's just that one little nugget that you go oh that's it you know that's where we're going to build the, the kind of content strategy about but to me, if, if you're thinking about it in marketing terms, and that could be marketing a personal brand or it could be marketing, um, you know, a business or organization, you can be a thought leader without having any purpose. You can literally just go, I'm interested in the subject. I'm just going to put thoughts out there and let's see what happens. But if you're trying to do it intentionally, it's like with any marketing, there's three steps. It's one, who am I? Two, who is my audience? And three, how am I going to communicate? So you've got that Venn diagram of like, what is my specialism? What am I good at? And then the audience, you know, what does the market need? It, you know, is there a market for this? So if I think about, you know, me or us as a team, as, a, as an agency, 
I didn't start my career going, right, I'm going to learn to be a journalist so I can learn how to talk to experts so that one day I can have a copywriting agency that will specialise in communicating expertise. Like that wasn't an intentional plan. I wanted to be a writer, but I'm pretty good at self-reflection and I'm pretty good at a, a sort of applying critical thinking to my own journey and my, and, and my team as it's grown. When we started the business, so we're coming up six years old now, we were just a copywriting agency. We wrote stuff for people, whoever would pay us, you know, it was quite, quite broad. And, you know, as I sort of started to understand positioning more and more, you know, I was thinking niche, do, you know, do we go down the industry vertical route and be only going to write for this type of business? Or, you know, do we, do we kind of just do websites or what is it that we're going to do? And, and none of that sort of appealed to me. And it was really talking to, to funny enough, another agency owner and describing what we did that sort of she helped to reflect back to me um, that we help people to clarify and communicate their message and we help them to establish their brand authority when they're experts and and working with expert-led brands that really felt like it narrowed it down enough but without really getting rid of any so you know mostly we're in the b2b space mostly um you know services rather than products but then equally we work with a b2c hair care brand but they want to be experts in their field so that that was a nice niche um to to find mm, it's interesting isn't it that you you are actually what you're preaching you know yeah, and it's, it's always actually you've been on that journey so there yeah. is a real kind of sense of yeah you get it you understand it not only the process mm. but actually the whole experience of mm. you know going through that journey maybe as a, a small to medium-sized business where you think yeah we'd love yeah. to be able to cut through and you know get competitive but but our product and service actually isn't that great but our people are they're a little yeah. bit special they're a bit different and is yeah. it do, do you feel then that this becomes something that you know a, a business of, of any kind of size or scale as long as they really understand their expertise let's use that word now mm. um that it can be a real kind of lever for you know being more competitive because it feels like it's yeah. a real differentiator it kind of sort mm. of cuts you through much as it did for you in your journey mm. with the agency it kind of because there's a load of content creators out there i mean millions yeah. of yeah. Them. so you know to, to you Absolutely. to say we just focus really on you know identifying and then communicating your expertise mm. that's a mm. really nice clear sort of proposition so I guess this works actually yeah. for the clients too yeah absolutely and do you know what it's really hard to copy because it's genuine you know there's so many you know brands and, and positioning kind of strategies and and they're they're very much created for the market and I'm not saying that can't work it absolutely can but for me, if, you know, if somebody's, I don't know, fresh out of, you know, their, their media and communications degree, they can sit there and say that they are experts in communicating expertise. But again, when you dig under the surface, we, we've got the background, we've got, you know, 20 plus years of experience doing that. And likewise, you know, if somebody's been a copywriter for 20 years or, you know, doing content, but they've been doing, I don't know, very, you know, like advertising copywriting. Again, it's hard to switch because there's there's not the genuine kind of backstory that comes with it. And I think I think that's what's so important. And it means that if you can authentically create that expert positioning, then it's a really hard thing to to kind of ch to challenge in the marketplace. Whereas, you know, if you're if you're pricing on, I don't know, if you're doing it on pricing, you're positioning on pricing that's obviously a race to the bottom line uh, to, to the bottom. And if you're positioning on, 
you know, personality. You can have another another brand that comes up with a more per- quirky personality. Like, you know, if you look at Innocent Smoothies, you know, when they started doing their, they were like, everyone was holding them up as brand tone of voice um, disruptors. And of course they were, there wasn't anyone else that was, you know, on the back of your smoothie bottle that was going, hi, I'm your smoothie, you know, we're really nice. But now everyone's doing it. So it's it's harder to kind of defend that sort of thing that people can copy. People can't copy expertise in the same way. Mm. If it's this important, then I think what we need to do is kind of help people to kind of identify it, you know, because I'm sure somebody will be sat there thinking, this sounds really good. This sounds like the thing that I've been looking for. You know, we've got good yeah. products and services, but they're not that different. What we need to really find and identify is what is our expertise? And you know, mm-hmm. as you interestingly say there, you know, this could be personal brands. So this could apply to individuals as well as, you know, large organizations with mm-hmm. you know, a great big portfolio of products and services. You know, they might have some real innovation or technical expertise, or they might be just great at yeah. process. They might be yeah. very cost efficient. I mean, it could come from mm-hmm. anywhere, couldn't it? How, how, do, how do you actually find it then? What is the, I mean, obviously without giving away everything that you do as a as a professional no, no, as a company but kind of where, where do you begin how, how do you find your expertise well it's not really a case of giving it away because th- there's no sort of templated way of doing it because everyone's different um it really does just take digging research conversation and at the risk of sounding like selling our own services it does take an outsider it's almost mm. always you are too close to your own expertise to really get it um so I don't know if you've um, come across the four uh, stages of competent, uh, competence. Um, so you start off with something and you are unconsciously incompetent. So you're, you're rubbish at a thing, but you don't know because you've not really tried it or you just you think it's easy. Like everyone thinks they're a writer. They are unconsciously incompetent at it. And then you get to conscious incompetence where you start trying something and you go, oh, my gosh, this is a lot harder than I thought. This is really difficult. I'm really rubbish at it. I need to get better then you work hard and you you practice and all the rest of it and you get to conscious competence where you realize that now you are are able to do this thing um, and maybe you're better than other people now because you've been putting that effort in and then you get to unconscious competence and that's where something comes so second nature to you that you don't even realize it's special anymore so that's where you get those throwaway lines where people say something and they don't think it's interesting or special but you from an outside perspective are going no that's that's really fascinating you know especially like for example in tech tech companies you know you've got the product lead who's kind of going oh it's got this feature and it's got this feature and they're it's their baby and they're passionate about it and that none of that stuff is really that interesting but like way down number 10 on their feature list you're like that that sounds interesting what does that do and you you think about what the benefit is and you're like that that's the value proposition that's what your audience cares about so all that being a long way of saying um i've totally lost my train of thought where did, what was the question and i'll go back to that this happens so to me we increasingly were, yeah so we, we were well, it's absolutely fine but when we were talking <laughs> about the um how you kind of find the expertise how you kind of uncover out of the whole myriad of things you do as either an individual professional yeah. or you know somebody new to the game or as yeah. a, a as a bigger well-established brand where, where do you yeah. kind of uncover this that kind of level it. of expertise I was talking about that kind of needing that expert that the outside mm. um, insight um, and I think you know that 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 doesn't have to come from using a consultant you, you can you can use a branding specialist you can you know talk to, to a copywriting agency that kind of has brand expertise um, but it could be as simple as just you know you start by by thinking journaling I think is really useful to me writing is thinking so kind of having having that uh, conversation with yourself really a conversation with your team 
um, talking to current customers and, and clients to see what they think. What is it that they think is is good about you? What is different? What do, what means something to them? Um, uh, and yeah, just just having that outside perspective that you can start. And, and also thinking about you know we, when we do kind of brand messaging work, we we look at you know we speak to normally the leadership team um, uh, representatives from from the business. And we normally ask them, you know, why do you love your job? What is it that is good about working here? What are, what are the company values? So sometimes it will be a values thing. So, you know, you know, increasingly people are doing things like becoming B Corp so that the offering they have might be sort of similar to most people. But if they're a B Corp, that's really like a hallmark stamp of like, yes, we are, you know, good for people, planet and profit, you know. So it's those sorts of things. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be expertise. Like you said, you know, something like process can be, can be really important if you have a really slick way of delivering your service and that can be your value proposition brilliant you know i, I don't th- i don't i wouldn't even necessarily we don't say oh we're experts in this like we say that we work with experts we communicate expert expertise um my hope is that and you know and, and we, we're very fortunate we get the majority of our work comes through either repeat business or referrals so it's the, you know that's the nice thing about expertise it, it does uh you know if you can prove it if you can actually back it up it does generate word of mouth and you don't it's hard to build and it takes time that's the thing building an expert re- reputation does take time you're not going to be it's not a, a growth marketing or performance marketing tactic it's a brand building exercise and so that does take time but it continues to pay dividends for a very long time um, you know, and we've never spent any money on advertising in, in any way, shape or form because work comes to us. So we've spent a lot of time creating good content, being helpful, coming on podcasts, doing speaking engagements, those sorts of things so that we can showcase that expertise. And then, yeah, the right people come to us. So it's one way of doing it. Mm. Feel, feels like there's a there's almost a need within this kind of mix then to not fear failure because mm-hmm. if this if the, if you're going through this transition between you know not being aware of what you're good at all the way through to yeah actually mm-hmm. unconscious you know just just brilliance you know at the yeah. far end of the uh, the far end of the journey hopefully if it all works out well mm-hmm. that, that it's, it's not going to be a perfect journey is it this is the yeah. thing is you know you're you're going to be trying things you know thought yeah. leaders often are pushing those boundaries and then they actually push up against something which clearly then doesn't ever work or mm. just doesn't come off or the the world changes or you know you get some big sort of macro thing that changes everything if if that kind of happens it's kind of there's almost like part of this where now actually it should be a question really is part of this mm. the fact you have to embrace challenges you have to embrace failure it's not all going to be a perfect story is it being an expert mm. or thought leader there's going to be bumpy roads at times aren't there 100 percent. yeah i think that's i think that's true of anything if you like i'm a natural perfectionist but i'm i, <laughs> I consider myself a recovering perfectionist because I, I am working really hard on it and i think with anything in life you know if you're going to get good at it you're going to you learn i think more sometimes from your failures than you do from your successes um for example, um, last year I, I gave uh, an in-person talk and I hadn't given one since before the pandemic. So, you know, it was been a long time. Uh, and I, I was very deliberately chose to do this particular talk because it was 
not in Bristol, it was up in the Midlands and, and, you know, it wasn't particularly to my target audience group, but I wanted a place where I could fail safely, um, that it didn't really matter. You know, I didn't want to be in front of like a, a big group of Bristol tech companies, which I would really want to have a good reputation with them. And I went to the same and I gave the talk and you know, it was fine. It was fine, but it wasn't great. And I felt a bit downhearted afterwards and I was driving back and I thought, well, I could just sit here and mope. Or I could do something about it, so I put on some podcasts on my on my um, on my phone to listen to on the way back, and I listened to some podcasts on on public speaking, and just some tips and tricks on on how to do it better. And then about a month later, or two months later, I, I gave another talk here in Bristol again with within a group of people that I did want to to really leave a good impression with. And I really felt personally like I smashed it. I don't know what anyone else thought, but I felt that I had done so much better a job. And it was because, you know, failure in itself is not helpful. Failure that you actively learn from is helpful. Um, so I had not just gone, oh, I don't think I did a good job and left it at that. That wouldn't have been useful, but I did something with it and that was useful. And I think the next the next talk was a lot stronger for it. And that's why on, on our uh, Monday team meetings, um, we go around the group and everyone brings um, a big win from the week before because it's good to celebrate wins um, and also a learning point and we don't call them failures we call them learning points because you know if you've learned something from something then chances are that another person in the team they might make that same mistake in the future but if they've learned from you then you, you know you shortcut that so yeah it's a it's really powerful to frame frame failure in that way yeah and I, I love your honesty there thank you for that i mean it's um you know as somebody else who, who takes the stage quite regularly or mm. was prior to to pandemic yeah. it seems to be a digital virtual stage of these days but yeah. um yeah I, I know that kind of feeling of you know you know when you've done a good job you know when you've been a well let's call it expert and other times where you think oh I just passed and that yeah. was all it was yeah. and for whatever reason and, and it's fine but it's okay to be human isn't it mm. as an expert I mean you know what we're not looking to advocate here I'm guessing here is that you know this is a robotic thing we're creating yeah. robots who you know I am an expert and it's just very very matter of fact I mean yeah. part of being a, a specialist an expert or you know somebody who's you know, really kind of the, the go-to for a particular message or particular sort of technical attribute, I guess is also about being human, isn't mm. it? Because these are the people we really want to be identifying with. And, you know, again, being a thought leader, you can't sort of do that in a non-human way, can you? I mean, you can, but people won't like you. <laughs> so that's, I think, the other thing. I mean, certainly, you know, in a business context, it, you know, of course, there are terrible companies that do very, very well. They, you know, have terrible ethics. You know, horrible human beings working them. You know, th th there's that. I'm not saying the only way to succeed is to be a nice person. However, certainly in my experience, um, people, people when they're choosing a business to work with, they want to know one: can you do the job? And two: are we going to get on with you? Like, is this going to be an enjoyable experience, or is it going to be really difficult? And part of that will be the sort of personalities. And and I think there are two ways to be an expert. You can be above everybody else and you can be looking down on people and you can be like, oh, here am I sitting here being brilliant and all the rest of you are rubbish. And that's not really a great way to engage people. Or you can come from a more sort of uh, serving sort of way, thinking, right, I know stuff and it's really important that other people know it and I really want them to do well. So I'm going to share my knowledge and expertise with them. 
and that sense of lifting other people up i think is is hugely important it's certainly how i want to run my business you know if i think about my motives for what we do and and it's really shifted over the years i mean when i started the business i was a single mum with nine month old twins i just wanted to make some money but now it is very much a case of thinking you know, the, there was that uh, politician quote that you talk about the world being sick of experts. And and I don't believe that's true. I believe that the world is sick of fake experts because there are too many people who are fake and they're saying, oh, yeah, we're experts in this. And actually, when you dig under the surface, they're not. So what I really want to do is help those people with genuine expertise to do well. You know, I want to champion those experts and help them to get the position that that they deserve. Um, so, yeah, I don't see myself as going, oh, I know stuff. So, you know, you should pay me lots of money. I think of it as like, look, I, I know stuff that can help you. My team is really good at this. Let's get involved. Let's get you out there. Let's let's increase your turnover. Let, you know, it doesn't have to not be a money. It's not altruistic. It's, you know, but let's help you succeed and, and achieve your dreams. And yeah, beat the fakers. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I think certainly from my perspective, I mean, that is so, so important. I think and I would certainly agree, you know, in my travels and conversations and, and client work, you know, I, I would say you can spot it very, very quickly now, can't you? And I think it probably goes back to some of the things that you said earlier about kind of being very evidence-based. I think part mm. of, you know, from my perspective, part of this kind of journey, if anyone chooses to go along this route, is, is the fact that it is about evidence-based. So it's mm. almost like you've got to be building your portfolio as you go and it yeah. is those as you've described them you know those speaking slots it is those those moments with a client where you think oh that was just a, a sweet moment and I'm going yeah. to capture that I've got to make sure yeah. that kind of goes in our um, sort of show reel as it were yeah. and I think it is about being just very very mindful all the time that it's important to document this because yes. you know how, how can you really evidence being a, an expert yeah. specialist or thought leader if you haven't kind of documented your journey because yeah. you have to don't you yeah, I think that that that's what I find so fascinating is that, you know, experts are experts in what it is that they do or know about. Um, because as we've said, there's 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 there's, there's skill. So there's like, you know, an expert carpenter or whatever. There's there's knowledge. So a professor um, and there's obviously a, a bit of crossover carpenter knows stuff and, and a, a professor can do stuff. But there's the knowledge and skill base. There's also, um, interestingly, another type of expertise, um, which is called, I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget it, uh, interactional expertise, which is the ability to speak the language of experts whose work you cannot do. Uh, and if you take that to the extreme, that's a journalist, right? <clears throat> so somebody who can write in a way that showcases expertise, but without like, you know, we can write about, I don't know, embedded banking, but we can't encode, we can't do code. So that that's another one. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that it's important to, oh, do you know what I've done it again? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it's the age thing and the brain and the children. That's what it does. It, it just gets to the end of a sentence go, no, there's no ending for that one. There was no... <laughs> No, I totally get it. I There's totally going to be so it. many women in their 40s going, oh, thank God. It's not just me. Everybody does this. <laughs> I and don't think it's the... just women. I can tell yeah. you it's not just women. <laughs> well, that's the whole humanity as well, isn't it? You know, mm. I know I know my stuff. I also know I sometimes forget what I'm saying halfway through a sentence. It doesn't make me less good at my job, but it does make me a human being. And I think that really puts people at ease and it makes life so much easier and it makes business so much nicer for me. Mm. 
No, I totally agree. And I think it is that is that more conversational thing. I mean, there is a danger, I guess, here is the topic we're talking about is, you know, expertise and mm. thought leadership is that, oh, it has to be super serious and super professional and you you can't show any vulnerability. It has to be squeaky clean, very technical because mm. we need to kind of be impressing people. But I think what you're saying is actually, no, 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 this is all about mm. human interaction. And and I love that thing that you talked about. I just want to come back to it, actually, that mm. thing about serving, using expertise to serve yeah. others. And so it almost, I mean, as soon as you said that, I just saw this inverted kind of business hierarchy because always, you know, mm. back in the day when I first started in business, it was you know very much you had the boss and it wasn't called leader. It was called yeah. the boss at the top of this pyramid and everybody else worked underneath them. Mm. And so it was kind of like a pyramid. But what you're suggesting really is that if that person really at the top of the pyramid or the thought leader or the expert kind of is at the bottom of the pyramid but you've turned the pyramid upside down so they're supporting yeah. everybody who's potentially at the coal face or customer facing then yeah. it really is a, quite an empowering position isn't it yeah that, that feels really good I want to be one of these people yeah it just feels like that's the right thing to be as a human and I think it's where it's where society and it's where business uh, organizations are evolving so we've got several clients in the leadership development space and, and one in particular we've been working with for a long time and, and we did a series of articles around the evolution of of kind of organizational structure and if you look into it so things like teal the teal color it's i won't go into it I'm, I'm not an expert in it but it's very much more as the, the organization being like an organism and and it being sort of you know, if you think about your body and how your body moves together, you know, you don't say, oh, the heart's the most important, or the brain's the most important, or, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, the heart and the brain are important, but I mean, you wouldn't be anywhere without skin. So, you know, there's there's that sort of idea of everything working together. Um, and, and, and I think the lovely thing about expertise is that you can stay in your lane and you can concentrate on what you're good at. So often we, you know, we, we could be a, you know, full service marketing agency, right? We can bring in a seo person we can bring in a designer and all the rest of it but i've very deliberately gone no let's keep to what we what we're doing now you know we'll we'll grow and evolve because that's that's important but so we work in partnerships with lots of other agencies so we might work with an seo agency and they'll do what they do with the technical side of things and they will inform what type of content we should be if you know if the strategy is to go down the seo route often with thought leadership it, it it doesn't always work quite as well on the SEO side of things. Again, there's a whole other conversation to be had purely because you're sort of disrupting things so people aren't necessarily searching for what you're doing. But if you are working with a company that also needs to hit hit the targets in terms of SEO, we would listen to that SEO company. We wouldn't be sitting there going, well, we know, we know about blogging, so we're, we're not going to listen to you. We know about web pages. It's like, no, let's work together. And then it is more organic and you do have that, you know, we're all serving the same clients. We want them to succeed. So let's all work together to do that. I don't really like ego. I find sometimes agency world can be ego filled or ego driven. Um, and I find that slightly exhausting. That feels like high school and I didn't like high school. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess there's the reality of all of this, isn't it? But I, I, I just love the, the, the idea here of, of, kind of this more holistic view of it because it, it feels like thought leadership, 
expertise, specialism, whatever you want to couch it in terms of, you know, something that's meaningful to you, to your own mm. businesses, you know, people listening to this, is kind of, <laughs> it doesn't exist in isolation. This is not a an activity that's just going to be, yeah, we did it, you know, a couple of times, you know, last year, we were thought leaders for a moment, you know, we had mm. our big moment and it kind of, it's now just gone away. Now all we do is we talk about our products and services. This feels like this needs to be properly integrated into uh, let's call it a marketing strategy, something mm. that is more, you know, holistically driving the organization or the business forward. Do, do you see this as being really integral to propositions and to mm. just the way you describe a business? You know, it yeah. almost feels like it has to be at the heart of it, really. And I think that's why we've kind of sat and, you know, we've got these two arms to our business with clarify and communicate and establish brand authority, because you've got to and it doesn't have to be done in that order. So, so you know, for us, like I said, we're six years old. We were just kind of ticking along, building our expertise, but not really quite having a direction with it. And then about two years ago, sort of landed on what our, our niche is and it and took a while to get out, you know, new website launch and so on. So we had our brand, then we developed our expertise and we went back to our brands and reshaped it and evolved it. So I think you can kind of go in cycles, but yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely foundational and, and it's really tricky because I don't want to sound egotistical like oh <clears throat> you know the copywriter is the most important person you can speak to but I mean if you think of we're human beings right we communicate verbally yes we communicate visually so obviously the, the kind of visual design and so on is important but you know at some point you're going to need to say something about what you do or write something about what you do and you need the right words to do that so if you can get that right to start with than anyone else you speak to when you're I don't know briefing your designer when you're doing all of these things you you've got the right words and it just makes everything so much easier uh, something you said sparked this idea that you know writing is thinking and you don't have to be the writer so in, in our case often you know the client might not be a writer you know we were talking earlier you know, the carpenter or the professor they might not be writers or they might be academic writers which is even worse um but but actually just for, for a lot of the time our clients the experts uh, you know, subject matter experts within the business, who, you know, they'll have been working with us for a while and they'll say to us, you know, it's been so helpful to clarify what I actually think about this. You know, I'll come to a briefing and I'll sort of have some ideas about a subject, but then you'll, you know, push back and ask different questions and you'll force me to think more clearly about a subject. And that is, is so powerful so that it actually goes beyond marketing and it actually goes back and feeds back into the business and accelerates the expertise that is already there. So I've found that, you know, we, there's articles that I've written for our blog and, you know, they've performed fine, but they've not, you know, I wouldn't say they've necessarily been game-changing articles, but they've changed something in the way I've thought. And then when I'm networking or speaking, at, at, you know, on a podcast or, um, you know, in a sales conversation, I'll be thinking differently and I'll be speaking differently. And that has a huge impact. So we use words everywhere. Yes, you can write a blog post and it's useful as a blog post, but those words and more importantly, those ideas that you've managed to articulate, you're going to use that everywhere in your business. And you, it might actually shape the future direction of the business, which is very exciting. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about the little golden moment in a conversation. I think you just caught it there. I think that was <laughs> it. Awesome. I think that was the moment. It's, that's, it's just fascinating um, for me here because this whole thing about it's it's articulating what it is you do it's kind of mm -hmm. 
it's kind of challenging the status quo of your business. It's kind of really sort of getting to the heart of, you know, that soul searching as to kind of mm. why are we different? Why do we come together mm. on a Monday morning to do business? You know, yeah. actually, who are we? It's this kind of profound sense of, yeah, knowing actually who you are. This is uncovering so much more than I thought it would um, in this. I just thought it was all, it's all about just finding that you're a specialist and this, that. It's, it's a really quite, kind of quite deep, profound exercise yeah. to go through, isn't it? And it takes a long I mean, time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing because, yeah. you know, sometimes you will send out a proposal for something and they're like, oh, I'm not sure about the budget. It's like, but, you know, you can't, you can't short, I mean, you can shortcut it. It depends where you are. So interestingly, we did, um, we did a round table end of last year, which we're still releasing the content for. Um, and one of the guys who was involved, it was all about brand and how brand kind of evolves through the, the startup to scale up kind of process from MVP through to scaling. And one of the guys mentioned, um, uh, you know, the, obviously MVP, minimum viable product, but he was talking about the minimum viable brand, which I really, really loved because at the beginning, you don't want to spend thousands and thousands of pounds, you know, really defining, you know, every nuance of your brand voice and so on. But you just need to get it um, as somebody else, an, an author, I don't know if you've come across, across Watertight Marketing by Bryony Thomas, fantastic book. It's been out for 10 years, but it's still brilliant. And she talks about you have to start off functional, but not too embarrassing, and then iterate from there. And I think that's brilliant. So, you know, you can start somewhere. You don't have to start with perfect. Start with maybe even a rough idea of what your expertise is or what your value proposition is. And then keep that in the back of your mind and sort of test it, you know, with every conversation you have at networking uh, or a networking event or, or in a sales conversation with your clients you know start to bring some of that language in and sort of see how it resonates and kind of adapt it and you know every now and then through the evolution process you know even established brands will evolve they'll evolve their positioning you know it might be every 10 years but it's still important to do because society society changes and the market changes and technology changes so yeah doesn't have to be perfect to start with but definitely needs to evolve mm, this is just such a lovely way of, of viewing your own business and doing that little mm. bit of introspection in terms mm. of you know actually even if we're very well established what have we been good at and why mm. you know i mean to, to un both uncover the expertise but also just to get that sense of i guess sort of belonging because you know it could be that once you enter those kind of conversations I mean you, you might have seen this possibly that you know once you get those conversations going within an organization mm. you know that person who's been sitting quietly in the corner then just suddenly realizes hold on a minute I contributed to that oh my gosh I'm actually yeah. more than I thought I was it's, it's quite a sort of a bonding sort of feeling going on mm. here in terms yeah, of like team building yeah, we're, we're really like big on um, kind of like personality tests and things like, you know, I'm not saying that I don't like pigeonholing people, but I, I think personal, like understanding yourself as a person, like personality and skill and, you know, what you bring to a team as well as the expertise is really important. Um, and, and funny enough, often experts will be in, I don't know if you know the disc profile, they'll be in the kind of C category, they might be like very focused on the kind of the detail but they're not necessarily good at communicating and I think that's what's interesting about our job is is being able to use that personality insights as well and kind of go okay you're the kind of expert who I'm going to have to tell you all my questions beforehand because you're going to need some time to think versus somebody like me who's kind of an external processor and as you can hear I can talk for hours about pretty much anything so so I think you're right it, it helps it, it helps with the team building because you you see what everyone contributes and what what's different about everyone and, and you need lots of different types of people and often yeah the experts are 
not always the loudest people. Um, so, yeah. Mm. This has been so insightful, Rin. I mean, honestly, thank you so much for, oh, for kind of guide, guiding us through this. I mean, honestly, I, I I thought I kind of knew this topic quite well, but actually <laughs> what you've done is you've really opened up a whole Pandora's box of new things for me to think about, which I guess, you know, this is the whole point of these podcasts. But I, I spend it's great a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I think that's the thing. I, I spend, and, and reading about it, I've, I've mentioned um, Expert by Dr. Roger Kneebone, but another one I'd really highly recommend is um, The Business of Expertise um, by David C. Baker. That's a really good one as well. Um, there's, so, there's, there's so much out there and and you know to be an expert it's not just about doing it's also about learning from other people you you never stop learning right so that's very important Mm, and I guess that is the key point here is that this is a, it, I, mean, I, I can hear myself saying the word journey quite a number of times in this conversation, but it, it really is, isn't it? It's like once you start on this thing, well, one, it's fascinating at a personal, but also professional level, but two, yeah. you almost then can't stop, can you? This yeah. is once you set on this journey, you're on this journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because because then you can start expanding it into like, you know, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Um, and I and I do. I think I spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff because because it's important to me. And you know, there's the whole thing of work life balance or work life integration. But you know, given how long we spend at work, it's important that it reflects who we are and and what our goals are and what we want. So I think for me, all of this stuff feeds into itself and into each other and and then into your relationships. And yeah, it's great fun. Mm. so one top tip from Rin then in terms of starting on that journey then thought leadership expertise becoming an expert marketer or you know delving into the organization to find those specialists and then kind of beginning those conversations what would you say if there was one single top tip what would that be yeah I guess a couple of things maybe with expertise don't worry about it I don't think I think there's so much imposter syndrome you know I have imposter syndrome all the time you know I don't come from an agency background or a marketing background so I sometimes sit there going oh my gosh how can I offer marketing services when I haven't done this which is why I'm doing a, a, a one of the Mark Ritson mini MBA in marketing because it'll help me to feel like I've had at least some formal training there but don't worry about it because actually you'll get there and it's it is as you said it's a journey and it will it will never end you will constantly be evolving that but also not everyone has to be an expert in the same way that not everyone has to be on the first page of Google. It's not possible. If everyone was on the first page of Google, nobody would be on the first page of Google. And it's the same thing. Not everyone can be an expert. Um, and, you know, if you're in the journeyman stage in the middle, you can still do good business and you can still do good work and you can still make money. You know, there are there are other ways of positioning yourself as a person or as a, as a business. Um, and, and that can be really simple. You can be the only person in your area that does a particular thing. There might be millions of people over the world that do it. And you're not the expert, but you're the person that's local. You know, so so it's not the be all and end all. Um, but certainly understanding if you do have expertise, how can you use that? And yeah, what 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 do you love as well? That's that's another part of it. So, yeah, you might be really good at something, but if you don't enjoy it, there's no point is there. And I suppose at the end of the day, just kind of building on that, uh, that idea is that, you know, you are the expert at being you. And, mm. you know, ultimately, that really is, you know, this whole life thing isn't um, get too profound here, but you know, this 
whole life thing is you know about being you and just being the best you possibly can be and it isn't really a competition is it this is the thing I mean I think a lot of the the sort of misconception of what an expert is is that there's almost like this hierarchy or league table of expertise Mm. well there, there doesn't have to be does there because ultimately you are the expert of all the things that you bring to the mix and that, yeah. that's all you could ever hope to be, really, I guess. Exactly. I think that's the thing. You, with everything in life, it's balanced, right? So on the one hand, you want to push yourself. You want to push back your own boundaries and get just outside your comfort zone and, you know, see what you can achieve in life if you want to. But you might be perfectly happy not doing that. Or likewise, the career, your career might not be your priority. So you might think, do you know what? I want to show up at nine. I want to leave at five. That's all I really want to do. I earn enough money. And actually, I'm really into stargazing. And I'm just going to do that. And because I think the thing about expertise is often, certainly in the context we're talking about it, you know, like marketing and you know, personal brand and so on, there's there's a sort of audience for that expertise. But you could be an expert just for you. You can go, right, yeah, I really love stargazing and I'm going to read all the books and I'm going to get really, really knowledgeable. And nobody ever has to know that you're good at it. It doesn't matter because you enjoy it. So so there's also that that balance. Mm. Wonderful freedom here. It's not about being constrained. It's, I want to do this. I want to be part of this. You know, I want to be an expert. I want (laughs) to be an expert in in mushrooms. I really want to learn how to identify safely and be able to pick wild mushrooms. Like that's a personal goal. I don't know why. It just seems like a cool thing to do. So that's on my personal goal list, but I'm never going to get talks about it because I don't want to. And I think the key word there is safely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's get, the point. Get, that's garden, what's putting me off. <laughs> I know. In our garden, we've got about six different types that pop up. And you nice. feel like you can kind of um, identify them every autumn. But yeah. we're not 100% sure. We're not so, no, sure. We so I'm sure there, there must be some sort of kit. Somebody needs to invent a kit where you can take a slice of a mushroom and you can find out instantly whether it's toxic. That would be great. Would there we go. Idea for somebody to pick up and there run There you go. <laughs> grab this idea people and get back to room how do how do people contact you in if everybody wants to either come back to you with the whole mushroom um sort of situation <laughs> solved uh, forever and teach you <laughs> mushrooms or if they want to come back to you to continue the discussion about thought leadership yeah. and expert um, marketing how do they get a hold of you so the useful thing about having having a name like Rin Hambra is that it's it's quite unusual. So you can just Google me. Um, but but we, obviously we've got our website. Um, we've got I'm on LinkedIn. The company's on LinkedIn. Um, so it, the the only thing left to do is spell it, which is Rin is just very simply R I N for November, and then Hamburg uh, Hambra is like Hamburg but with an H on the end. Perfect. So just Google Rin and you will find <laughs> you will find how to become a thought leader and uh, be able to get further um, service and uh, sort of expertise and guidance in this journey. This this has been such an interesting conversation, Rin. I'm so grateful um, that oh, you spent the time uh, sort of with us. And um, yeah, I'm off to um, remind myself about mushrooms, but also nice. to kind of ponder on how I can really sort of uh, accelerate my journey because I think there's something in it for all of us really here so thank you so much for your time very welcome